everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today for What's Your Why Wednesday. I'm Laura Brandeo, and today I am joined by Chrissy Brown. She is the COO at Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group. She is passionate about creating a workplace that inspires, motivates, and empowers others to live their best life. All right, Chrissy. Most of us came into the industry by accident, but we stayed in the industry because it tied to our personal and professional whys. Can you please share your why and what has kept you into the mortgage industry? Yes, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very honored to do this with you. Uh, yeah, so I don't know very many people that uh, set out as, this, as their dream as a child, right? Uh, to be in the mortgage industry, so that's definitely accurate. Uh, definitely stumbled upon mortgages and um, really, I think, you know, why and and uh, what, you know, why I've stayed and, and, you know, why I've come this far 25 years later uh, is, you know, when growing up, I really wanted to change the world. Um, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted my life to have some kind of impact on the world. Um, so I decided to go in the route of being a missionary wow. and um, just a little bit of missions work here and there. But that was what my life's goal was, bring the clean water to the villages or, you know, hold the, the dying babies, et cetera, whatever it may be. And um, again, stumbled into mortgages for sure. And, you know, I think that through leadership and through mortgages, I learned and kind of it's been a really neat experience to realize that you don't have to necessarily go to that, you know, the third world countries and, and build the orphanages and bring the clean water to change the world. I mean, you can change the world one life at a time. And so it's been my honor and privilege to be able to utilize leadership um, as kind of that, that ability, that instrument to be able to give people the tools and resources that they can have to grow into their wise, right? And, and to really, you know, grow that professional and personal uh, careers and their goals. And, you know, one of my leadership um, philosophies, if you will, is I want to be able to equip everyone to become the best version of themselves, you know? So you take that from a leadership perspective and then mortgages. I mean, how many great stories have we heard about, you know, you know, doing that common sense underwriting or going the extra mile for a client and helping them get into home ownership, uh, especially a, a lot of folks that you know, didn't typically weren't able to get those kind of loans, you know, years ago. So it's just been amazing to be able to help people change, change their lives and transform their lives. Absolutely. So take me back. Okay. So you did some missionary work. What did you learn during that time that actually you were able to carry over into leadership within the mortgage in industry? Now you mentioned about making people into the best version of themselves. How do you go about doing that with your team? What kind of tips could you share? Yeah, I, I think it comes down to genuine care like really having the heart for people, putting people first, prioritizing relationships, uh, servant leadership, you know, and I know that's kind of cliche these days and everyone practices servant leadership, but you know, when you want, when you set out to be a missionary and or, you know, pastor, et cetera, servant leadership is what it's about. I mean, you're mm. dedicating your life um, to help those uh, that are in need or to help others, quite honestly. And um, so really kind of transferring that into leadership and, and, you know, making about 
I am here as a servant. I mean, leadership for those that are in leadership is is not for the faint of heart. Um, is definitely not all uh, what it, people think it might be. It's very difficult. And I think just being able to understand and, and really embrace the fact that I'm the servant to these to the, my employees. I'm here to serve them. I'm here to help them rise up to be the best version of themselves, equipping them with uh, coachable moments. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, those hard conversations, the transparency is really what they need. And, and a lot of leaders are very, they shy away from wanting yeah. to be that for them, right? And so I think it's just the ability to be vulnerable, be authentic, and really invest everything I can into them. Yeah, that is such a good point. You know, I, I was speaking to a, another leader within the mortgage industry, and he was telling me he loves when there's conflict, right? Where not, that's odd, right? Like, you don't hear, what do you mean you love right. conflict? He's like, but conflict provides opportunity to mm -hmm. have those transparent conversations and to really allow people to communicate, right? So mm -hmm. how would you use um, an example of something like that where, you know, others may shy away, but you look at that as an opportunity? You know, I think that one of the things that how we manage and how we've kind of set up our management philosophy is that if you really are investing in your and your staff, and you're giving them the tools and resources to succeed. That has to go hand in hand with transparency and honest conversations of where they're at. You have to at all times give them the power to to make the choices in their career. So you know if they're that they're you know having an issue here, you have to tell them this is the issue we're having, and what do you need from me to overcome that? What resources or advice or direction do you need from me to overcome that? And once, you know, if they do it, fantastic. If they don't, then, you know, they're, they're constantly in control of their own careers. Right. That is very, very true. And we all are, right? right? I mean, sometimes people can sit and say, well, I didn't have this opportunity or I, I couldn't do this. But honestly, it starts with those conversations, right? Having those conversations will springboard you. You know, again, going back to I, I watched a great YouTube video where this gentleman, and I can't remember his name, forgive me, but this gentleman wanted to get to the MBA right and he would say to his coach i know i'm not ready today i'm not ready i'm not asking you know but what would you recommend i do in order to be ready and i really think about that in our industry right yes. wherever you want to go whatever that dream is for you ask yes. what do i need to do in order to get here or there and be honest with yourself that doesn't mean, okay, you can go into it saying, today I'm not ready. Maybe today I don't have the skills. Maybe today I need to learn this, but be honest with me and tell me, and then I can follow it. And we all right. have that ability. Okay. Right. All right. So we spoke about the difference that we make in the mortgage industry, right? How right. many lives we're positively affecting, not, not even just our clients internally on our teams, plus sure. our clients and everyone that we touch. I'm going to kind of have you come back to your memory banks here a little okay. bit, but can you share a story? One of those times in your career where you really saw that impact of what we do? 
Yeah. I mean, I have, I've been doing this for 25 years, so I have tons of stories. Right? <laughs> I love um, the stories. The stories are the best. Yeah. So, you know, a, a majority of my recent experience, uh, you know, prior to going into leadership was in underwriting. So, you know, you kind of hear it secondhand from your sales staff, the difference you're making in that um, arena. And then my sales days was, um, <clears throat> you know, before <laughs> in the, you know, before the, the bubble. So we won't talk about those days, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I love one of the stories of a loan that I underwrote, um, but the woman, um, she was at the closing table and it was, um, her and her husband and she started crying and my, um, loan officer at the time said, you know, we're so excited for you. Are you okay? Like what's going on? And she said, five years ago today, I checked myself into a homeless shelter <gasps> five years ago today. And now I'm purchasing a home. I mean, it just gives you chills, right? <gasps> I mean, and just to see that, you know, you work hard in life and then, you know, that is the next step to start to build that, that wealth and that stability. And so neat to see like, you know, the American dream come true. Oh my goodness, Christy. I can't even tell you how, how much that just hits me. Right. Yeah. And that's why I love doing things like this because so many times we get caught up in the day to day, right? Okay, actually, we're recording this today. It's refi day, right? So I know I started my day going, oh my goodness, it's refi day. And, you know, we know it's going to be a hectic week. It's right. the last week of the month. Right. You know, here we are always striving. The end of the month is coming. The end of the quarter is coming. The end of the year is coming, right? We're always going and moving yes. for volume yes. and production and our day to day of underwriting loans and, and everything in the process. But how important is it for us, not only for ourselves, but our teams and our industry as a whole to take a moment and realize the monumental impact that we have on, look at, look at 2020, yes. look at how we kept the economy up, right? Yes. Look at what we did as an industry. So how do you feel about that in terms of the impact as an industry that we have? I mean, if we want to talk about impact, we know what happened in 2008. I mean, that's the impact that we have on the global economy. You know, what we're, what we're doing is very significant, although it's, you know, one loan at a time is very significant to the world churning, if you will, right? Um, as well as, you know, the wealth building and, you know, getting folks into those secure positions that they can start to develop, um, you know, you know, start moving forward in their lives. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that, you know, at Lang Bay, we really preach to our operations staff because to your point, it can be like, okay, I got, you know, I have four files today. I have seven files today. It becomes files. These are not files. These are families. These are people. And this is the largest financial transaction of their life. And, you know, one of the things that we really try to instill in our staff is instead of picking up the file and saying, I have to do this file, really shut your eyes for a moment and think about yourself being in a house with all of your boxes everything boxed up and the children are screaming they have no beds because it's in the u-haul and you get some news that they need another thing or closing got delayed you know and really trying to come about you know come at mortgages with empathy that this is stressful i mean i always say that um you know it's all fun and games until you're on the other side of that right you're actually the client and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is so stressful, even though I do now this. Now I thing. understand. You no, know, but, you know, really trying to do business with empathy, 
that this is a very big deal. This is a lot of moving parts. And honestly, if I have my entire life in boxes and, you know, children screaming and, uh, you know, really anxious moment and somebody needed a bank statement, I would probably feel the same way our clients do, right? And just really trying to view them as that and not a file. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think you're very, very true is that, you know, because we see it every single day, sometimes you can get numb to it. Mm -hmm. But you're correct. If your whole, especially, I mean, look at nowadays, right? It's even more right. stressful with there's so many more components. And right. so I love that. That is great. All right. So I'm going to ask you this one final question of what's on the horizon? What do you want your legacy to be? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, it's funny. I was just talking to a group of people. You know, my my career and you know, when I first got into leadership, my boss said to me, "You're going to learn throughout your path what you love and what you don't love, and then you kind of outsource the rest. Like you you hire and you staff up for the things that you don't love and stay focused on the things that you love. And uh, one of the things that I want my legacy to be is, you know, I think too often in this industry, and, and honestly for corporate America, probably in general." There's a lot of the imposter syndrome. That's that, you know, you have to look like you have it all together. You're in this position, so you must appear as though you deserve to be in this position, you know, but deep down inside, no one's got it all together. No one is perfect. And, um, and so it was probably just my style too, but I've come into, you know, the industry and dealing with peers and stuff like that and, and really try to be authentic and honest and transparent. And I'll be the first one to say to a group of, um, people that intimidate the the heck out of me. I don't know. Can you help me in, in giving permission for everyone else to say, we don't have it all together. We're all just doing the best we can. And I've gotten now emails from different individuals saying, thank you so much for opening that door because people just are looking for permission, yeah. permission to be authentic and permission to let go of that imposter syndrome um, and that you still deserve your position, whether you have it all together or not. And I really, you know, hope to continue to create that within our organization and throughout the industry is that it's okay. It's okay not to be perfect and it's okay not to have it all together. Absolutely. So I love that. That is great advice. That is definitely something we need to be reminded to of all the time. Um, and, you know, I recently watched a video about Henry Ford when he built, you know, when he built his empire. Do you know, he only had a very few years of education. And yeah. when he built this successful company, people said, how did you do that? You are not someone that went to Harvard. You know, you yeah. didn't go to school. How did you do that? He said, well, I figured out what I was good at. And then I hired a whole bunch of really smart people around me that were able to do all the rest. He said, and together we built this. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, as I you know, bring new people onto my team or deal with different people, they, I hate the word weakness. You know, um, weakness insinuates that yeah. the things that you are not, um, your, are not your strengths are negative, right? No one has everything. So I really encourage my staff and, you know, in my leadership team to identify what they're good at and identify what they're not and own it. That's right. Own what you're not good at because if you continually try to compensate for that, yeah. you're going to fail. Know what you're not and then find ways to work around that, but really having the the confidence and the things that you're just not built to be, you know, right. like I, I almost think, Chrissy, that that's 
a true level of confidence, right? I think that people always say, how do you have so much confidence? I think when you get to the point where you're like, I'll use me for example. Right, for sure. I can't stand like doing the analytical Excel stuff. I'll review it, but yeah. I'm not someone that's gonna sit there plugging that in. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a wonderful person that is absolutely amazing at that. <laughs> and that is fantastic. But if right. I honestly thought, oh, I'm a terrible leader because I'm not good at that, I would be fooling myself. You're right. But because I own that and I realize that's not where my best time should be allotted right. and there's someone better to do it that's that true level of confidence so we want everyone to get to that point because you're right when you hide it when you try to do those things you're obviously not good at it right you're not good at that it's okay 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 with that like be good at that you can still learn and try to improve but at the end of the day like i am uh, a visionary i am not you know, the person that is able to take and make completely happen and fill in and, you know, fill in all the blanks and this and that. Nope. I have a great team of people. That's right. One individual that is just amazing at that. But, um, you know, it's just not in my skill set. I can yep. do it if I need to. Of course. I'm not going to do it well. And if I try to pretend as though I do it well, it'll be very yep. embarrassing. That's and, right. You know, yeah, and, and it, it just, it doesn't work. So I love, you know, just being able to come to the table and say, this is everything I am and this is what I'm not. That's and right. it's really okay. And, you know, I think that that, but it's very difficult in a world where everyone's trying to pretend. I know. Right, to be at all. Because, you know, I've had moments throughout my growth where I've caught people and said, I quit. I can't do this. They're, right. I'm totally, totally intimidated right now. They're so right. smart. They're so, they have it all together. And when you really start to dig into it, no one does. And so just owning it, I think you're right, is just, it is the key to success. It is. It is. That is the key to success. All right. On that note, we are going to end it right there because I think that is the mic drop right at that level. All right, Christy, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your why and what an incredible story. Thank you for everything that you do and what you provide for your company and for our entire industry. And we wish you continued happiness and success. Wonderful. Thank you so much. My pleasure.